this morning, uh, I would like to do, uh, you know, something a little bit different, uh, you know, for you. Um, so, uh, you know, as I, I'd like to welcome, uh, you know, all of our guests. If you are a guest, I do want you to understand and realize that this is not the way that we normally do our Sunday morning services. Uh, this is a special service today, so we are kind of changing the way that it flows. Uh, you know, but we welcome each one of you here, and we, uh, you know, we are glad, uh, you know, that everyone is here. Uh, being in the house of the Lord on a Sunday, and uh, you know, as beautiful of a day as this, uh, you know, it is really great to be here. Um, we have, uh, you know, two people that, uh, you know, that have not been here for a while, so I want to take the opportunity to welcome them back. Uh, you know, uh, I welcome, uh, you know, Glenda. Glenda, it is great to have you, uh, you know, um, to see God's hand upon your life and uh, the way that he has brought you from where you were. Uh, you know, we thank God and we praise him, but we're great. It's wonderful to see you with us today and to have you here. Uh, you know, it is great. Uh, you know, and the other one is, uh, you know, Chase Williams. Uh, you know, Chase is, uh, you know, he is... Uh, you know, he has finally, uh, you know, he's graduated, uh, you know, so we thank you, and we thank you for your service, uh, and we're uh, glad to have you back with us, uh, you know. Um, I'm pretty sure that the, uh, you, know, uh, you know, that Courtney and the kids are glad to have you back as well, uh, you know, but it is great to have you here. Uh, you know, you are a part of this family, and we have definitely been praying for you while you have been out, so, uh, you know, it's good to have you back. In 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 3, uh, we hear these words from the scripture. It says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to him, by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These promises are these are the promises that enables us or you to share his divine nature and to escape the world's corruption caused by human desire. Uh, you know, this morning as we uh, go, I, I want y'all to, um, to be a part and to come along with this. And we are looking at this promise that we have this morning, uh, you know, that comes from Psalms chapter 30 and verse 5. So in Psalms chapter 30, verse 5, go ahead and turn there. And as you're turning there, I want to introduce to you a young lady, uh, you know, that became a unwilling spokesperson for despair at the early age of 15 years. Uh, you know, as she, uh, you know, had a predator that convinced her, uh, you know, to take a photo, topless. So Amber, to Amber Todd, a young lady, a 15-year-old young lady uh, in Canada was, she was, uh, you know, coerced or she had been uh, you know, um, kind of approached, and this gentleman, uh, you know, talked her or convinced her into taking a photo topless. 
once he took the topless photo, he then began to blackmail her with that photo and forced her in no uncircumstances or ways and had her to pose uh, you know, with less on and less, uh, you know, the further that it got. The only problem with this was is that after he had taken those pictures, not only did he post the one of her topless, but he posted every one of the nude pictures of this young girl on the internet. Her life was destroyed. She walked down the halls of her high school and she was jeered and people Uh, you know, uh, talked about her and her friends alienated her. And this shy young lady at the age of 15 began to recluse or even go further into her shell, uh, you know, and she spent the next three years alone. She spent the next three years becoming addicted to drugs and to alcohol. She even began to cut herself. At the age of 16, she tried to commit suicide, but failed. Her family decided that they were going to move from the high school that she was, uh, you know, to possibly give her a chance of a normal life. So her senior year, they moved, and all of the mocking and all the jeers, uh, you know, followed her where she went, and she went even further in. Two weeks after she graduated, she made a 60-minute video, and she posted it on the internet. And in this video, she gave an account of all the things that had happened to her. And she posted it, and at the end, or in the post, if you could see this, she simply took from the bottom part of her face, so from her nose down to about midway of her chest is all that you could see in the post. And it had these words written on there. It said, I'm nobody. I need someone. Please help. Six months later, she committed suicide. She was successful. See, whenever we look and we think about this, this young lady was introduced to pain outside from herself. Yes, it might have been a bad choice that she made in taking that picture, but it was forced upon her in the person's reaction in posting them on the internet. So the pain that we face today, I I believe that whenever we look at this, that we have pain that we create and we cause by ourselves. And there's pain that is caused upon us from someone else. But whenever we look at this passage of Scripture, and let's look at Psalms chapter 30. I want to, I, I know that the key verse is verse 5, but let's look at the ones that's before this. 
because this is a song of dedication to the temple. And we look at verse 1 in the New Living Translation, and it begins, it says, I will exalt you, Lord, for you rescued me. You refused to let my enemies triumph over me. O Lord, my God, I cry to you for help, and you restore my health. You brought me up from the grave. O Lord, you kept me from falling into the pit of death. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. This young lady, the joy never made it. And for us, we look at this and you know, I wanted you to go through all of this to see because in the first part of verse 5, it says that, you know, that God's wrath or his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts forever. So what is God's anger? Uh, is God's anger because we have disappointed Him, because we have sinned? Is God angry because we have disappointed Him and uh, you know, we're not doing what He has asked us to do? As in the church, Rock Hill First Church of the Nazarene, is He angry at us because we're not ministering to the people that He wants us to minister to? But then we go back into the scripture and we look, is God's anger poured out upon the Israelites because they are not being the light to the world that he has called them to be? We know that God said that you are my children and that you were supposed to show them who I am. But each time that we see that the Israelites are in trouble, they're in trouble because they began to worship false idols. They are not the light that God has called them to be. We also look at this and, and, and we see this. There are people that God's people killed because they did not witness to them the way that God wanted them and needed them to. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that turn against God because of His wrath and because God said that He slaughtered all of these people. The people that were in the land that God had promised to them, they went in and they killed them all. Well, why were they there? Because God's people didn't do what they were supposed to do. God's people were not the light that God had called them to be. There are people in this world, I believe it, there are people in this world that are lost and they're dying and they're going straight to hell because we're not doing what God has asked us to do. So is God angry at that? It says if it is, if that is why he's angry, he says, but that anger will only last for a little bit because his blessings and his favor upon those that call upon him will last forever. So the weeping that we are doing, the, the weeping that is in the night, what is that weeping? Is that weeping because we have done something wrong? I think part of it needs to be. 
I believe and I, and I truly feel that there is not true forgiveness for sin unless there's remorse. And remorse, and we have to sit here, and whenever we sin, if all we just simply do is like, oh, okay, I messed up, God, please forgive me, and then we go on about our lives, we've missed something. Because whenever we receive that forgiveness, that forgiveness means that we did something wrong, and we are gaining something that we don't deserve. We're gaining life eternal because of the forgiveness of the sin. There needs to be some type of remorse. And there has to be a time frame for that remorse. But I also believe that whenever we look into this particular passage of Scripture, that yes, there needs to be remorse. And we need to be sorrowful for the sin in our lives. But whenever we look at this, you know, he is saying that, you know, that the joy or the weeping that we have will only last through the night. This young lady that we talked about at the age of 15 did something that she regretted. But it was amplified by a man doing something that he shouldn't have done. See, darkness comes upon us sometimes because of what we've done. But there's times that darkness comes upon us because of something that happens in this world. How many of us still mourn or still think about the deaths at 9-11? Darkness, the weeping only lasts for a moment. See, what about a loved one that you witnessed taking their last breath? What about the loss of a child? What about the struggles because we've lost a job? What about the darkness that we have because we have a loved one that doesn't believe in Christ? See, I, I think that's the darkness that this passage of Scripture is, is talking about. We all have faced, we all will face, or we are in the midst of the darkness because of the pain that is in our lives. Because of the struggles that we have. Is it the struggles that we have because uh, you know, we're not living up to our potential? Is it the struggles that we have because sometimes we literally feel like we're a failure or a failure? We have those struggles. Is it a struggle or is it a pain in the darkness because someone has accused us of doing something that we didn't do? Is it the darkness or the weeping because there's a friend that no longer likes us because of our stance for Christ? It could be just like Mary. Mary Magdalene, 
Mary shows up on the scene and we find that Mary in Luke chapter 8. Verses 1 and 2, I believe this is where it is, yes. I begin with verse 1, it says, So afterwards, Jesus began to tour the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took, 12, he took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cursed or cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Seven demons. Uh, you know, so we look at this and, uh, you know, if you can imagine the darkness and the despair in her life. She was controlled by seven demons. I find it interesting. I came across a philosopher or a, a theologian, uh, you know, in my studies this week that said, uh, you know, that dealt with the number of seven being the number that represents total and, you know, dealing with the totalness and the fact that whether it was seven demons or it was her life was totally ran by demons, we don't know. But whatever it was, she was no longer in control of her body. She was controlled by the seven demons. Now, one of the demons could have been a demon of depression. One of the demons could have been one of those ones that, uh, you know, that desired or lust sexual activities in their life. And that might be why she was classified as a harlot or as a prostitute. It could have been one of those demons that was living in and controlling her and bringing her to this point. We don't know if the seven means total or if the seven means that there were seven individual spirits. But we do know that Jesus Christ cured her and cast out those demons and she followed him from that moment on. Every step, everywhere he went, she was right there. She was cooking. If you go further into the scripture, the scripture actually even says that she might have even given monetarily as far as money towards Jesus' ministry. Not only did she give of her money, but she gave of herself completely because of what Jesus Christ had done. She had brought or he had brought her brought her out of the darkness that was created and caused within her life. So we get this that uh, we don't know how long it was, but the sun or the joy still comes in the morning. Wow. But how long is that darkness? Night only lasts for what? Eight, nine hours, and then you have the, uh, you know, the sun you know, finally dissipates, and then the sun begins to rise, and we have the sun that begins to glow and illuminate the light or the darkness of the world. So the darkness in the night only lasts for a certain period. But I can tell you this, whenever you're at your depths, it feels like night never ends. 
Whenever you're sitting there and you're struggling and you are literally on your knees and weeping before God, it seems like the night never ends. Whenever we're in the midst of our pain, it feels like the sun will never come. You might get up in the morning and you might start your day, but the sun is hidden behind the clouds of your life. There, there are times that, yes, we walk and we go to work and we give the good smiles and we tell everybody everything's okay, but deep down inside we are in pitch black. We are in darkness in the midst of our lives. Mary Magdalene gives us gives us this awesome view that we have. I, I want you to see, you know, see this. You know, see, Jesus is about restoring lives, and he truly wants to restore our lives. In John chapter 20, verse 1, it says, Early in the morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So you see where we are. It was still dark. I don't want you to miss that. Whenever Mary Magdalene went to the tomb to prepare her Savior, her Messiah's body properly for burial, it was dark. Why was it dark? Let's go back three days. Mary Magdalene was at the cross while Jesus hung on the cross. She was there whenever Jesus saw his mother and told the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, told John, you know, here is your mother, and mother, here is your son, she was there whenever Jesus breathed his last. She was there whenever they pierced his side. She saw the blood and the water pour out of his body. She was there whenever they took him down from the cross. She actually went with Joseph of Arimathea and took him to the tomb and saw them place him in the grave. Her Messiah, the one that, you know, that took and cured her from the demons, whether it was seven or it was total control of her body, he healed her from that. He, she walked with him. She talked with him. She listened to his stories. She listened to him teaching the disciples. She fed him. She gave her life for him. She saw him laying in the tomb. Three days. Three days of sitting there. My Lord's no longer here. Three days. I saw him take his last. Three days seeing the spear pierce his side. Three days planning the fact that she was going to go and make sure that he had the proper burial. The way that he needed to have. 
darkness. Her darkness, her pain, lasted for three days. She comes to the tomb. She sees it's rolled away. She runs and she goes and she gets, or she sees the disciples and she sees John and she sees Peter and she tells them. And we see that John and Peter run off to the tomb. We know this, you know, John gets there before Peter does. John's younger than Peter. He runs faster than Peter. He doesn't go into the tomb. Uh, You know, is it respect that he doesn't go into the tomb? Or is it fear as far as what he's going to find if he goes into the tomb? He allows Peter to reach there. Peter goes into the tomb. And then later on, John enters into the tomb. And then we find and we see those words that says that he saw and he believed. He saw and then he believed. We see that they came out of the tomb. I find this interesting. The author of this book is John. John was the one that went into the tomb. He saw and he believed. He came out of the tomb. You figured that he would write about his experience from that day and from that moment on. But he doesn't. He takes us right back to Mary Magdalene. And he tells us the story of Mary Magdalene. She comes. She's there at the tomb. She's crying. She looks in. I think it's interesting, now this is just me, okay? We don't hear those famous words from the angels, fear not, for I bring you good news. We don't hear that. She looks in, and they say, why are you looking? What are you looking for? Who are you looking for? She just has a conversation. I'm looking for my Savior. Where did they take him? Do you not see this? She turns. She hears the voice. She turns. She doesn't know who it is. It's Jesus standing there. He's asking her, who is she looking for? She doesn't recognize his voice for some reason. She most probably can't see him. It could be because he's standing you know, in front of the sun. Suns came up. He's standing in front of the sun. All she sees is this black silhouette. It could be that she can't see him because she has so much tears in her eyes. We don't know. But she tells him, she says, look, sir, if you know where they've taken his body, just simply tell me and I'll go get it. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I'm going to go get it. And then he says, Mary. She recognizes who he is. The sun rose in her life in that moment. And then we hear Jesus say, don't cling to me. To me, that leaves things wide open. Why not cling to me? He says that I need to go to my father and to your father, to my God and your God. I I have to ascend. So maybe his body wasn't complete. I I don't know, but I can't see her hugging a gooey mess. Uh, You know, so I don't got that. Uh, You know, it it could be that, uh, you know, that he's saying, look, uh, you know, the, the Messiah and the Savior that, 
uh, you know, that you're trying to cling to is the one that was here on this world and this earth, but I'm actually the Messiah and the King, uh, you know, of a heavenly kingdom, and I am a spiritual, and, uh, you know, whether it's that fact that he needs to go there, I'm not really sure, but he says, look, you need to stop clinging to me. The sun has rose in your life, and you now have hope. Your joy has opened. Your morning has come. There is joy in the morning. Joy comes in the morning, regardless of where you are. Understand, joy comes in the morning. Mary walking in the darkness gives us this understanding that regardless of how dark it is, you've got to continue to walk towards Jesus Christ. You might not understand why you're in the pain, but continue to walk towards Jesus Christ. Trust in Him to be who He says He is. Because joy comes in the morning. Joy is ours because of what Jesus Christ has done. We trust in that. Although I can't see it, I trust it. And I will continue to walk towards Jesus Christ. Regardless of how dark my life is. Regardless of what the pain is. Your pain level might be a 10 this morning. It might be a 7 this morning. Your darkness might be where you can only see 5 or 6 feet in front of you. It might be where you can't see your hand in front of your face. Mary says continue to walk regardless of how dark it is. I, you know, she didn't know what she was going to find. She was just walking to where, you know, to where they had laid her Messiah. She didn't know what she was going to encounter. We don't know what we're going to encounter except for we know that it's going to be love and mercy and peace and it's going to be a joy that is beyond recognition because it comes from Jesus Christ, from our Messiah, the one that is joy. Keep walking this morning. Keep going I want to read to you a portion of the book that we read, The Unshakable Hope. And there's going to be some words in here that you're going to see. There's a story from Mary Kershaw and her learning about this truth. Mary Kershaw lived in the Great Depression in the 1930s. Uh, you know, she saw her family devastated. Her husband's average wage and paycheck shrank down to $18 a week. Because of his sickness, his illnesses, sometimes and many times, he didn't even get that. She began to take odd and end jobs and do laundry for the people. And she would do laundry and she would iron them. Now, I have you know that she had five children, and the only way that she could dress the five children was by going to the Salvation Army and getting free clothing. At one point in time in her life, you know, she owed over $50 to the grocer, to the gentleman that owned the grocery store. And that gentleman accused her 11-year-old son of stealing from him. He was convicted of that. And taken away. And here she finds herself at her end. She says, I couldn't see any hope. I shut off my washing machine. 
I took my little five-year-old daughter into the bedroom. I pushed up, or I, I plugged up the windows and cracks with paper and rags. I turned on the gas heater in the bedroom, and I didn't light it. As I lay down on the bed with my daughter beside me, she said, Mommy, this is funny. We just got up a little while ago. But I said to her, never mind, we'll take a little nap. Then I closed my eyes, listening to the gas escape from the heater. I shall never forget that smell or the smell of that gas. Suddenly, I thought I heard music. I listened. I had forgotten to turn off the radio in the kitchen. Didn't matter now. But the music kept on, and persistently, I heard someone singing an old hymn. Back in the 1930s, she heard someone singing an old hymn. That's got to be a really old hymn. But this is the words of the hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and grief to bear. What a privilege we carry. Everything to God in prayer. Oh, what a peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we don't carry everything. To God in prayer. Weeping comes. The night comes. But it only lasts for a while. Because joy comes in the morning. I, I know that God didn't give me these words just so we can say it was a good message. I believe it's because there's many people here today that there's pain in their lives. There's darkness in their lives. The song says, what needless pain we bear, all because we don't carry everything to God in prayer. I'm going to open up the altar this morning. If there's pain in your life, if you're in darkness, the morning, Jesus Christ, our joy, is right here, ready for you. Are you going to be as brave as Mary? And even though it's dark, you're still going to walk to Jesus. As the praise and worship team sings, let's stand. The altar is open.
sound of his voice Seas that are shaken and stirred Will be calmed and broken for my for me to not believe even when my eyes can't see in this mountain that's in front of me will be thrown into the midst of the sea
through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you, and it is well with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for, for the words that you have given to us, and, and God, today... God, we celebrate the joy that comes in the morning. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, joy comes in the morning. It's promised to us, regardless of the depth of the pain or the darkness of the night. You promise to us that joy comes in the morning. Amen. Amen. If I can have the ushers to go ahead and to make their way forward.